The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The most important thing about your business could be how your products are packaged. Packaging is the signature that you leave everywhere, and it speaks volumes about who you are and what you do. This is Ditch the Box with David Marinak. In today's show, we'll talk about marketing, increased sales, and how it relates to product packaging. Have you explored alternatives like flexible packaging? You should. It can save your company a bundle. Now, here is David Marinak. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Ditch the Box, the marketing slash flexible retail packaging slash how to build your brand radio show. I'm David Marinak, your host. Seriously, why in the world would we take on such a tall order as all of these things? Marketing, brand building, flexible retail packaging in one show, and the truth is, we don't. It's way too much. However, in each show, we promise to concentrate on at least one, sometimes two of those areas, because in our world of flexible retail packaging, which we'll explain in further detail in a little bit, they all work together. In fact, if you're interested, check out the infographic on our Ditch the Boxes website. That's www.ditchtheboxes.com and click on the radio show. And there you'll see a handy infographic we created that provides a general overview of this program. Now, at the core or center of everything we do is marketing. What exactly is marketing and why is it important to you? Simply stated, marketing is everything you do to place your order or service in the hands of potential customers. It includes diverse disciplines like sales, public relations, pricing, packaging, and distribution. Marketing is your strategy for allocating resources, such as time and money, in order to achieve your objectives, a fair profit for supplying a good product product or service. Now, underneath marketing in this infographic is, in our little world, are these four areas or quadrants. Retailers, such as Walmart, Target, Wegmans, Giant Eagle, Whole Foods, and more. Also, flexible retail packaging, which we'll dig, dig deeper in in a little bit. Build your brand, how to get your product noticed, how to make it stand apart from others on store shelves, how to drive and push consumers to your product versus theirs, or versus others, I should say. And finally, supply chain, how to get your flexible retail packaging produced, shipped, inventoried, and, I'm emphasizing and here, delivered when you need it. Now, marketing. So, Some shows will take a high-level view of marketing. We'll talk through with thought leaders about the newest marketing tools that are available and how traditional marketing techniques that Don Draper from Mad Men used back in the day that would never survive today, while some, like direct mail from the U.S. Postal Service, are coming back in vogue. We'll discuss content marketing, what it is and how you and your company could and should be using it, such as blog video, social media, mobile marketing via smartphones, etc. And we'll talk with companies large and small to learn what types of marketing they employ, what works, what doesn't work for them, and more. 
Moving on, major retailers is another key discussion point. Our show revolves around retail packaging, flexible retail packaging to be exact. And everything is sold via major retailers like Walmart and Costco and Whole Foods. And there are distinct rules to follow if if you want to successfully sell your product on their store shelves. We'll discuss working with brokers, whether you go it alone, finding distributors, co-manufacturers, and co-packers, which can make or break your success at the retail level. And we'll explore how retailers work what they like and what they don't like, and how you can succeed without selling your soul. Hint, we've got a great show lined up that discusses how many companies fail to price their product properly, and they weren't prepared for the size and frequency of Walmart orders, which cost them dearly. Flexible packaging is obviously a key subject for us. Now, what is flexible packaging? Flexible packaging, we're talking about stand-up pouches, those wonderful bags that you'll see on store shelves that stand up, made from layers of barrier film that protect the contents, such as coffee, tea, granola, cereal, protein powder, and more. We're also talking about spouted stand-up pouches. Here's a huge market in the U.S. ready to explode with spouted stand-up pouches. Spouted pouches for liquids, sauces, gravies, juice, and non-food items such as soap and detergent. Think of anything that's in a glass or plastic jar and you could use a spouted stand-up pouch for convenience, for cost savings, and to help the environment. We'll also talk about flat barrier bags as another example of flexible packaging. Rice, beans, cookie, candies, beef jerky, and single-serve pouches. Now, retort packaging is another area of flexible packaging. Here, the product actually cooks inside the pouch microwavable film, and metalized film that replaces traditional canning methods. The point here, there are different areas of flexible retail packaging, and we'll discuss each of them different times throughout the show. Another section, another quadrant is build your brand. You can have the greatest product in the world, but if it doesn't get a consumer's attention and say, pick me up and take me home, you're going to lose at retail. We'll discuss different types of printing techniques, flexographic and rotogravure. How colors and the colors you choose can make a big difference in the retail store level. We'll discuss graphic design and how to get your product noticed over anyone else. Now, if packaging, and it says packaging is the voice of your brand, what is your packaging saying? Think about that for a second. Your packaging needs to tell your product story, your company's story. And the final piece is supply chain. When you finally need packaging, stand-up pouches, flat barrier bags, etc., whatever you decide on to protect your product, you've got to get it made timely, efficiently, and at the right price point. Supply chain is often overlooked, and it's looked at last. It does you no good if you can't ship your product because you don't have the packaging you need when you need it. Now, another key thing to keep in mind is the industries that we'll be talking about. These are the industries we serve with flexible retail packaging. They are food, food such as candy, crackers, chocolate, beef jerky, health food such as protein powder, vitamins, supplements, all natural products, and gluten-free products, coffee and tea, roasted, whole bean, whole leaf tea, organic and medicinal tea. Now we're talking pets, dogs, cats, birds, indoor, outdoor, horses, all types of pets, are served purposely with flexible retail packaging. Spotted in liquids, vegetable juice, fruit juice, baby food, alcohol and wine, and soup and gravy. Finally is non-food. We do a lot of work in chemicals, agricultural seeds, insecticide, and more. 
We'll also cover, although it's not necessarily listed here, the environmental impact of flexible retail packaging. Is flexible retail packaging environmentally friendly? In one word, yes. And here's why we can say that. Our flexible retail packaging is made from multiple layers of scientifically engineered barrier film. It's laminated together. Now, this lamination is key. Why? Because the laminated film provides strength and stiffness so the pouch can stand effectively. It can also withstand puncture and rough handling. Further, the laminated film provides crucial barrier properties that protect the contents from moisture, vapor, odor, UV rays, and other negative elements. Traditional bags, such as sandwich bags, produce bags, or grocery store bags, are made from single layers of film, called monolayer. Bags made from this type of film don't have nearly the strength or barrier properties as bags made with laminated film. In fact, other than the thickness, most people can't tell the difference between monolayer and laminated. And as a result, most, if not all, landfills and recycling programs group all plastic bags into massive bales of plastic. These bales get chopped ground into tiny little pieces called regrind, and they become one of the main ingredients of products such as kids' toys, park benches, plastic lumber, bumpers, and more. Printed flexible packaging is landfill-friendly depending on the laminated layers. The recycle code will normally be an R7. And finally, we'll discuss and highlight the different styles of flexible packaging that are used to build brands, to tell your product story, get your product noticed, and ultimately sold off a store shelf. We'll be discussing printed and plain roll stock, the raw film that's loaded into a machine that bends and folds and seals the film while filling the product. Printed roll stock is great, is great for quantity, large, large quantity runs. We'll also discuss flat barrier bags sometimes referred to as pillow packs or pillow pouches, things such as sample bags, single-serve pouches, snack treats, and more. We'll also go into stand-up pouches, one of our specialties, made specifically to stand erect on a store shelf. The wide face and back and bottom gusset provide excellent room and space for custom printing. Spotted stand-up bags for liquids and juices or dry mixes that can be filled with liquid by a consumer. Think margaritas or other frozen drinks. And finally, One of the newest styles that's really gaining steam and traction in the industry, flat bottom stand-up pouches. Made to mimic and replace a box, a folding carton, these pouches are made from the same robust barrier film as other styles, but now they can be incorporated with a Ziploc and a tear notch. Imagine being able to explore or enjoy your favorite cereal or snack without the senseless and wasteful inner liner of cereal bags. So again, each week we'll cover at least one, sometimes two of these critical areas to help you, our listeners, compete like never before. Now, the format of our show, we'll have four segments of each show. Almost always, our first segment will be about industry news, the good and the bad, the ups and the downs throughout the week regarding flexible packaging, major retailers, product recalls, which has been a big topic lately, new product launches, store closings, consolidations, and more. The second segment, the topic of the day, whatever that may be, will be part of our second segment. The third, our guest or guests for the week. And finally, the fourth segment, questions and answers, a takeaway tip or a piece of advice you won't find anywhere else, and a wrap-up. So again, so some things to think about when we're talking about flexible retail packaging. Why to use it? So there's five main reasons to keep in mind about flexible retail packaging. One is unitization protecting the product itself. Number two is barrier. 
you've got to have the right barrier film to keep the product fresh. Whatever you're using, whether it's a clear film, a metalized or a mylar film, or foil, the right material has got to keep the product fresh. The third is shock or vibration. You've got to be able to keep the product inside from crumbling or being damaged. Not just protected like the first, but now we're talking about shock and vibration. And the final is marketing presentation. It does you no good to have a great product if your packaging is not, again, is not going to sell more from a retail store shelf. So keep that in mind. I also would like to tell guests that we just published our first book, Stand Up and Stand Out and Watch Your Product Fly Off the Store Shelf. We will have more information here shortly about how you can order the book. So right now, folks, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to look at what's been happening in the retail industry for the past few weeks, along with some great tips and topics to go along. Thanks, everyone. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You've got a great product, and it's now on the store shelves at all the major big box retailers. So what's the problem? You are getting squeezed. Cost reductions are demanded from the retailers, and they are not letting up. So what are you going to do? You can give in and watch your margins disappear and hope you can make them up with other clients or with other products. You can say no and watch the retailers make deals with your competitors. Or you could say yes, because you've discovered a way to increase your margins and even get lost margins back. At StandUpPouches.net, we live and breathe flexible retail packaging. We have factories that can run as few as 5,000 pieces and scale to millions without any change in quality. We are ISO 9000 and ISO 14000 approved and offer complete supply chain solutions using our Ohio warehouse. Your retail packaging is the voice of your brand. Don't use inferior packaging. Choose packaging that not only protects, but keeps products fresher for longer while building your brand. To learn more, visit us at www.standuppouches.net or call us at 866-440-2123. Engage with Andy Bush takes you inside the mind of a top global market and public policy analyst who has been featured regularly on CNBC, Yahoo Finance, and numerous radio and television programs. Our program will bring you guests and stories from the top of the political and business worlds. Each show includes Andy's point of view roundup and what it means for you at home. Life's complicated. Let Andy help you figure it out. Tune in every Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. are listening to Ditch the Box with David Marinak. If you'd like more information about our program, send David an email to david at standuppouches.net. That's david at standuppouches.net. Now, back to Ditch the Box. Welcome back to the second segment, everybody. Welcome back to Ditch the Box. Once again, I'm David Marinak. So let's take a look at what's been happening throughout the industry the past few weeks. 
I've got some great information I think you'll find helpful. This is from The Guardian, winner of a Pulitzer Prize in 2014, by the way. Could the key to sustainable business be changing corporate mindsets from a culture of more, meaning more revenue, more profit, more market share, to one of enough? Bangkok-based brand strategist Shrikel Lakel argued that the case and presentation about an idea called sufficiency economy philosophy at sustainable brands in San Diego, California last week. Now, the idea for businesses and individuals to do what they can to make sure that everyone on the planet has enough of what they need and to be happy with having enough resources instead of taking more than they need, she said. Most marketing based is based on one word, more, she said. She showed a slide titled Bad Karma. When we try to create more and more and more all the time, that's they call greed. Beyond anything beyond our needs is greed, her words. From the Specialty Foods Organization, Amazon was listed as the Reputation Institute's most reputable company in the retail industry out of the 50 companies, followed by Publix and Whole Foods, respectively. Supermarket chains were more prevalent in the top 10 rankings for 2015, with Publix at number two, Whole Foods at number three, and A-Hold at 10th place. Whole Foods also listed as the third strongest retail brand in America and was recognized for its high quality and animal welfare standards, commitment to sustainability, and GMO labeling transparency. The Institute's chief officer said retail companies overall are gaining better reputations, especially in the past three years, and becoming more proactive to appeal to consumers. Amazon was the only company to receive an excellent reputation. Let's talk hemp. For the time, for a time, hemp used, used to bring to mind surfer bracelets and summer hats. Today, the plant is showing up in specialty food and beverage products, touted as a nutrient-packed ingredient, typically in the form of oil or seeds. Now, significant hurdles, namely a beleaguered past of misinformation, have held back the hemp industry from reaching its full potential. But a few intrepid producers are hoping to change that. Hemp has long been misunderstood to be akin to its mind-altering cousin, marijuana. When marijuana was first banned in 1970 as part of the Controlled Substances Act, too little research existed to differentiate the two plants, so the U.S. government made no clear distinction between the two. Since then, a host of research has shown hemp is closely related to the drug marijuana as a Great Dane is to a chihuahua. It comes from the same plant, cannabis, but with completely different variants. Hemp lacks marijuana psychoactive properties since it only contains trace amounts of THC, the compound that impacts the brain function creating the marijuana high. The food price index falls to its lowest level since September 2009. The FAO food price index averaged 166.8 points in May 2015, down 2.4 points or 1.4% from April, and as much as 43.6 points or 27.1% below corresponding month last year. Cereals and dairy products were responsible for much of last month's decline, although meat quotations also fell. By contrast, oil and sugar markets confirmed. May average puts the FAO food price index at its lowest level since 2009, September 2009. According to Technomic Food Industry Transformation Report, the food industry will eclipse $2 trillion in annual sales by 2025, but restaurants, retailers, and manufacturers will be locked into an intense competition for market share and must continually innovate 
to grow their business. Here are several insights into the ways food industry will evolve, as well as action steps food brands can take to position themselves for future growth. First, reimagine, reinvent, reinvent, reallocate, and repeat. Restaurants, retailers, and manufacturers must fundamentally reimagine how they go to market and reinvent themselves with a sense of urgency. Significant resources must be reallocated to growth to growth channels and categories, which over the next decade will include a more healthful food supply built on fresher offerings, as well as digital platforms for buying and distributing those items. Second, act small to grow big. Food companies must accelerate their pace of change and speed to market and must act and think like a small company or acquire small brands nimble enough to meet shifting demands quickly. They also must test new products and platforms and be ready to either scale those solutions quickly or fail fast and move on. Number three, embrace digital and big data. A buildup of research and predictive analytics teams for consumer and trade reports, insights must be for food brands. The challenge of the next decade, including consumers' demand for greater transparency and food integrity, falling profit margins, and disruptions to the supply chain, can be mitigated with data-driven solutions. Number four, anticipate and preempt the demand for health-focused food supply. Consumers... Definitions of health will continue to evolve, and descriptors like fresh, local, or sustainable will lose their elitist associations and be insisted upon by all consumers, not just the affluent and the activists. Companies must move their food offerings to higher levels of health and food safety before key accounts begin to request them. And finally, boost your CSR quotient. Radical transparency will be the price of entry for consumers, not just on food companies' ingredients, but also on their identities as good corporate citizens. Restaurants, retailers, manufacturers who ignore societal and environmental issues do so at their own peril, and they must audit their policies on the three Ps, people, products, and planet, but still be mindful of the fourth, profitability. So from the Food Navigator, what is TEF and what makes it so special? TEF may be the world's smallest grain, but it offers big possibilities for manufacturers operating in the booming gluten-free space. Ground into flour, TEF is an excellent substitute with recipe, for recipes, with anything with baked goods, but because it's so dense, it should be combined with other gluten-free flours for yeast-risen foods, according to packaged facts. As an ancient grain, teff also appeals to consumers who are avoiding genetically modified foods. And as a superfood, it boasts 50% more protein, 25% more calcium, and five times more flour than brown rice. Look for more teff and teff-related products in the health and wellness categories. From supermarket news, Walmart officials said Thursday that they are delighted with the performance of its grocery pickup facility, but noted it was only one of several fronts under attack in an ongoing global war to win virtual food shopping. The facility, which allows shoppers to place online grocery orders for drive-up retrieval in as little as two hours, opened near its Bentonville, Arkansas headquarters eight months ago. It remains under examination before officials commit to expanding the concept. This from Fetch Awards, one of my favorite cities, Chicago. Fetch Awards is being used at a few different stores in the Chicago land area. Fetch Awards is a mobile app. Every user starts with 3,000 points, $3 worth. 
forth, if you will. They get another 1,500 points by interacting with an employee for the first time when they use the app. Manufacturers fund serious points for taking a survey while using the system. Buy a particular plain yogurt, for example, and you'll earn 1,000 points for completing a short survey on how you're planning to use the product. Fetch Awards enables stores to offer a pretty cool app that functions an add-on as an add-on rewards program. Incentive points and coupons earned from using it encourage people to concentrate more on their spending in the store. That turns out to be significantly more. Shoppers who use the Fetch app spent an average 10 to 25% more across all Fetch stores. Regarding the Food Safety and Modernization Act, which is FSMA, retailers and wholesalers have begun taking steps to comply, but a few are in different stages of preparedness. According to Costco VP of Quality Assurance and Food Safety, they, meaning Costco, are a bit ahead of the curve. Everything that is required as part of the Food and Safety Act that is required as far as, far as imports and exports, they are already doing. Good job, Costco. One of my favorite stores. Coca-Cola Company on Wednesday debuted the first plastic, first plastic bottle made entirely from plant materials. The newest version of Coke's plant bottle, unveiled at the World Expo in Milan, could enable the world's largest beverage company to distribute its product in containers that are fully recyclable and made completely from renewable material. The latest plant bottle, however, uses Bioform PX, engineered by Virant, a Madison, Wisconsin-based startup that began partnering with Coke back in 2011. From Israel, Israeli insect startup Steak Zarzar aims to target the Western sports nutrition market with its grasshopper, I said that right, grasshopper protein powder. While insect, insect protein powder has generated a lot of interest as a sustainable protein source, the industry focus has been on the difficulty of trying to market the unmarketable. That is correct. They are going to target two distinct consumer markets with different insect-based products. In East Africa, whole grasshoppers, yum, are seen as a delicacy while they spend time trying to build the market as well with a, with an, with a protein shake here in the Western world. Probiotics. The New York Attorney General's office is having an effect on the entire probiotic industry. According to Mike Bush from the Ganadin Biotech, a Cleveland company here, counting and identifying probiotic organisms to the strain specific level is like blocking and tackling in the industry. So, he hopes that every probiotic company that sells a known strain knows not only how, how to count, but how to identify to the genetic level. Currently, according to Bush, not every company does this. Now, let's talk some chocolate. Chocolate marketers likely will gain more traction if they appeal to consumers emotionally, again, if they appeal emotionally, and emphasize the health benefits of inclusions of such things as nuts and dried fruits fruits in their chocolate. An online survey of consumers in eight global markets found 45% of consumers eat chocolate because it makes them happy. 43% said they eat it because it tastes good, followed by 35% who find it comforting, and 34% who say it calms them and is a stress reliever. That could explain why 72% of respondents said they eat chocolate in the late afternoon or evening. The Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation has pledged big money to help tackle malnutrition. 
Melinda Gates said the malnutrition was the underlying cause of nearly half of the deaths of children under five. And for too long, the world has underinvested in nutrition. Along with the Gates Foundation, many donors are prioritizing nutrition, which they believe will be one of the fundamental solutions to help cut child mortality rates in half by 2030. The U.S. chocolate manufacturers would forgo buying cocoa, buying cocoa from the Ivory Coast if the case against three major cocoa producers succeeds. The U.S. Court of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit last month dismissed Nestle's motion for a hearing a lawsuit brought by child slaves who alleged that Swiss giant chocolate firm ADM and Cargill were complicit in their forced work on cocoa farms in West Africa. And if you people, if anyone is anyone interested, food and beverage packaging executives and engineers will be attending. There is a 2015 Global Food and Beverage Packaging Summit, July 7th and 8th in Chicago. You'll hear peer-to-peer insights on proven techniques and strategies and new tactics. When we come back, I'll let you know who I am and why I'm uniquely positioned to even talk about this stuff. Flexible packaging, content marketing, supply chain, retailers. I'll fill you in. Stay tuned, everyone. We'll be right back. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You've got a great product. And it's now on the store shelves at all the major big box retailers. So what's the problem? You are getting squeezed. Cost reductions are demanded from the retailers, and they are not letting up. So what are you going to do? You can give in and watch your margins disappear and hope you can make them up with other clients or with other products. You can say no and watch the retailers make deals with your competitors. Or you could say yes because you've discovered a way to increase your margins and even get lost margins back. At StandUpPouches.net, we live and breathe flexible retail packaging. We have factories that can run as few as 5,000 pieces and scale to millions without any change in quality. We are ISO 9000 and ISO 14000 approved and offer complete supply chain solutions using our Ohio warehouse. Your retail packaging is the voice of your brand. Don't use inferior packaging. Choose packaging that not only protects, but keeps products fresher for longer while building your brand. To learn more, visit us at www.standuppouches.net or call us at 866-440-2123. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. are listening to Ditch the Box with David Maranak. If you'd like more information about our program, send David an email to david at standuppouches.net. That's david at standuppouches.net. Now, back to Ditch the Box. Thank you again, Don Pardo. It's David Maranak. Welcome back to Ditch the Box. So as I mentioned earlier, this is the day and now is the time to explain who I am and what I do and how I am in the position to even discuss the world of marketing, flexible packaging, brand building, major retailers, etc. I've been in this business, packaging, for nearly 30 years. I started working in 1986 for a company called Stephen Gould. Stephen Gould's a national packaging rep organization with offices throughout the 
U.S. Now, I started in the Cleveland, Ohio location. Stephen Gould was and still is the classic packaging broker where they buy and resell packaging products to companies large and small. They had no formal training program, and there was the this was pre-internet, so it was go wherever you want, knock on doors, and make cold calls to anyone you think would buy packaging. Then, once you got in the door, so to speak, go and try to find suppliers for what these companies need. Mark it up, try to make a few bucks, and move on. This was completely commissioned, and there were no benefits or car allowance, nothing, just the opportunity. Naturally, this was pretty cutthroat. Everyone there, seven or eight of us in the Cleveland office, would go wherever we could, wherever the car or tank full of gas would take us, and we'd try to find opportunities. Now, I quickly learned that quoting on commodity items such as bubble wrap, packaging peanuts, plain corrugated boxes, etc., was fine, but I'd never make a living selling commodity stuff. There just wasn't any money in it. Frankly, Frankly, commodity items were always purchased by a buyer, and the buyer only cared about the cheapest price. You could have the best product in the world, but all they cared about was the cheapest price. So, I decided to try something different after a while, more out of desperation than anything else. I started to circle back to all the companies I tried to get into earlier, and instead of calling or contacting the buyer, I reached out to see if they had a packaging engineer or a plant manager. Some companies, or bigger companies, I should say, had packaging engineers whose sole job was to develop new and better, more efficient types of packaging. These people were usually pretty open to meeting with guys like me to learn about new packaging ideas. So I reached out to plant managers, these men and women, and also I reached out, I should say, to plant managers. These men and women seemed to run the manufacturing part of the companies, and if they didn't make the final packaging decision, they certainly had input on who was. The point I'm trying to get at is I wasn't necessarily going after commodity items anymore. I was going after problems. I was calling companies and specifically asking for packaging engineers, plant managers, asking them for any sort of packaging problem that they had. Could it be a could be a customer complaint? Customer complaint could be damage. Could be inefficiency. Now, some of these people, well, check that. All of these people didn't take me seriously, but eventually, a few gave me some hard to find or hard to solve problems that they either didn't have time or knowledge of how to solve. While this didn't produce instant success or commission, I should say at that time, it did over time when they did, and when they did, I actually made margins that were well beyond commodity items. Over time, I started to develop a reputation as someone to call when you had problems you couldn't solve. And my client list ranged from Moen faucets, Hoover vacuum cleaners, Corning glass, and Corning glass in New York. It didn't matter what the problem was. It was mostly dirty, greasy, grimy glass, brass, chrome, whatever. I'd do the research, present solutions, and my clients could rely on me. I decided to go off on my own and start my own business in 1996. American-built containment systems was born. Here I was doing the same thing I'd been doing with Stephen Gould, only this time I was doing, going to work for myself. I was chasing the American dream. I was going to still look for packaging problems, but this time I was going to do it for myself. Now, around this time, we started hearing more and more about some cool things, computers and this thing called the Internet, and we were hooked, hooked on technology, even though we didn't know what to do with it. Was it a glorified Yellow Pages? Could it somehow make us money? And what were these things called websites, and who would go there anyway? It didn't matter. We were going to pursue anything that allowed us to reach more customers faster, easier, with less cost. We found that we could build a website and list all the different types of packaging that we handled, show photos and quick bullet points about each one from bulk bags that held 3,000 pounds or more, plastic corrugated that replaced traditional paper corrugated, 
thermoform pallets and trays for automotive parts, molded foam for appliances like blenders and mixers, and yes, something that was just becoming popular for retail products, the stand-up pouch. In fact, we were so committed to technology and the internet, we changed our name to ABC Packaging Direct, like Dell Direct or every other company that used the name Direct at that time that denoted speed and technology. At least we thought it did. So here we were. Just hitting our stride, we had leads coming in via the internet. We invested heavily in a piece of software called WebEx that allowed us to hold online meetings. It was GoToMeeting before there was GoToMeeting without having to travel to see a customer face-to-face, and it was awesome. We're doing about 90% of our business in industrial packaging, dirty and greasy and grimy. It didn't matter. We're selling to companies such as International Truck. Craftmade Cabinetry, Lear Corporation, and Johnson Controls. Life was good, or so we thought. Then the economy tanked. It was 2007, and we just had some, and we had some really nice orders, but no one was paying their bills. International Truck owed us over $400,000. Marconi over a hundred grand. Lear Corporation over a hundred and fifty grand, and they were in no hurry, none, to pay us back. We were desperate and needed to survive. Almost instantly, the leads on our website dried up. Poof, they were gone. Except for one. One, though I mentioned before, stand-up pouches. We continued to get leads for stand-up pouches that we carried a few cases in stock that we purchased from a company in California in a few different sizes. Different color combinations like black, gold, and silver. Now, what are stand-up pouches? Think of bare-naked granola and protein powder. Think of dog chews and pet treats and snacks and candy. All these cottage industries were still thriving. Santa pouches are made from layers of film laminated together to create barrier properties that keep whatever's inside fresher for longer while providing the strength and durability for the pouch to stand on a retail store shelf. Now, at the time, Santa pouches were the hottest thing to happen to retail packaging, and no one, nobody knew what they were called. Some people referred to them as stand bags or pillow stand bags or stand pouches. It didn't matter. All we knew was that the rest of our business was stagnant, but these stand-up pouches were bringing in opportunities for us day after day. Now, there were two problems. Most companies, most companies only ordered one or two cases at a time, which really didn't bring in much money. And the other was what they really wanted were custom printed pouches. We knew we knew nothing about custom printing. Remember, most of the things we worked on up until this point were dirty, greasy, grimy industrial packaging. So, We started calling and requesting quotes from U.S. manufacturers for printed stand-up pouches, and we found that most companies didn't make them who passed themselves off as manufacturers. Those that did custom print had a huge minimum run, 35 to 50,000 pieces per SKU. Most companies, unless they were Nestle's and Procter & Gamble, weren't in the position to order that many pouches. So, I attempted to go online and find somebody that could sell those overseas. I went to a website called Alibaba and actually posted online four quotes for RFQs for stand-up pouches. The problem was I didn't speak English, and the companies that didn't speak and those companies didn't speak English. I didn't speak Chinese, and those companies didn't speak English. Is what I was trying to say. It was some sort of a chinglish. And again, if I got a response, it was normally two weeks after I needed it, and it was really kind of worthless. So I had a bright idea. I'd hire a Chinese translator to convert my RFQs to to Chinese in the hopes that I'd get a faster and better response. I got responses all right, but the Chinese were worse than U.S. domestic suppliers. They wanted 100,000 pieces per SKU. They were insane. There was no way we could afford to buy this much. 
Now, after about three or four times, my Chinese, Chinese translator called me and thanked me for the business and said what I really needed was somebody who lived and worked in China that understood the industry, the language, and the culture. Ironically, her friend or brother-in-law had just retired from Kmart and lived in Hong Kong and started a business helping companies like ours buy effectively for China. Now, to say our business wouldn't be the same was an understatement. The gentleman's name was Daryl Todd, and Daryl lived for many years in Hong Kong as one of the heads of purchasing for Kmart back in the glory days, before Walmart became the big, massive company that they are and killed everybody. Daryl raised his family in Hong Kong, but when the kids graduated, he and his wife moved back to Florida, but Daryl lived part of the year in Hong Kong. Daryl flew to meet me in, in, in Cleveland to discuss what, what I was trying to do. I explained our business, what we were trying to accomplish, the industry. His recommendation was to come to China and visit the factories themselves, and that the best way was to learn, ask questions, get prices, build rapport, and get support and see if we could actually build a business. Now, shortly thereafter, I flew the 16 hours, met Daryl in the Hong Kong airport, and we met with a Chinese translator for the first time, Joe Yu. Joe would become my translator. He'd help me ask questions, get answers, order off of menus, whatever it took, Joe was there. Now, after about a week of visiting factories, I met with a lady named Candy in a hotel lobby in Wenzhou. Now, I tell you this because Wenzhou is an industrial city. Think like a steel town like Gary, Indiana. Kind of dreary, kind of dumpy. Um, and her real name, ironically, is now Chunji Chen. We call her Grace. She responded to an RFQ a while back and said she'd meet me whenever I came to China. I told her where I would be, and to my surprise, she showed up there. And when we had tra- we'd been traveling all day, and Daryl and Joe went to the rooms, and I decided to meet with Candy myself. She spoke decent English, but not great, better than most that I told her. But I had 10 minutes to meet with her, and I decided to cut to the chase. I came right out and said what I wanted, something Daryl had been telling me to do when talking with a Chinese. Don't waste their time. Just ask for what you need or tell them what you need and cut to the chase. I asked Grace if she could custom run custom printed pouches in small, 10,000 pieces or less, and she ironically said yes. Grace was a rep for her uncle's factory, and she was very proud of being a female business owner in China. I thought that was amazing, and she did as well. All of a sudden, we're in business. We can run small volume, custom printed pouches in up to 10 colors. Our world just changed in an instant. Incredible. However, we learned that there's a lot more that goes into printed flexible packaging than just dealing with an individual supplier in China. Our initial growth was coming from small companies, but we started to get noticed by larger firms that were selling nationally to Walmart, Target, Whole Foods. Ironically, they found us for the same reason the small companies did, our ability to run small volume orders. These larger companies wanted to test new versions, new trials. They wanted to be able to get on a store shelf without having big, having to buy big volume. Now, all of a sudden, we've been able to kind of morph from small factory dealing with small companies into much larger mid-market companies, we refer to them as, with, with employees from 10 to 500. Our clients range from GNC, 1-800-PET-MEDS, Aura Labs, H.J. Hines, McCormick Spices, even M&M Mars. Our flexible retail packaging can be found in Walmart, Target, Whole Foods, Earth Fair, Trader Joe's, Kroger's, and other national chains. The point of all this, there's a lot more that goes into custom-printed flexible packaging. And we've learned that the only way to do this right is have the right factories work for us. We have three graphic designers. We now have three factories that we work with distinctly, indefinitely in Chinese in various Chinese cities 
And we, we believe that we've got the best process in place. Again, the right quality procedures in place, the right staff to make sure our jobs get done quickly and efficiently. So there you have it. I didn't say all this to impress you, but to impress upon you that we've taken the time and spent the money to really develop a proven process that gets our packaging done properly and consistently, whether a customer's ordering 5,000 bags or 5 million. When we come back, we'll answer some questions, discuss upcoming shows, and wrap things up, everyone. Stay tuned. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You've got a great product, and it's now on the store shelves at all the major big box retailers. So what's the problem? You are getting squeezed. Cost reductions are demanded from the retailers, and they are not letting up. So what are you going to do? You can give in and watch your margins disappear and hope you can make them up with other clients or with other products. You can say no and watch the retailers make deals with your competitors. Or you could say yes, because you've discovered a way to increase your margins and even get lost margins back. At StandUpPouches.net, we live and breathe flexible retail packaging. We have factories that can run as few as 5,000 pieces and scale to millions without any change in quality. We are ISO 9000 and ISO 14000 approved and offer complete supply chain solutions using our Ohio warehouse. Your retail packaging is the voice of your brand. Don't use inferior packaging. Choose packaging that not only protects, but keeps products fresher for longer while building your brand. To learn more, visit us at www.standuppouches.net or call us at 866-440-2123. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. are listening to Ditch the Box with David Maranak. If you'd like more information about our program, send David an email to david at standuppouches.net. That's david at standuppouches.net. Now, back to Ditch the Box. Welcome back, everyone, to the final segment of our inaugural show. So, as we begin to wind down today's show, I wanted to take a few minutes and talk about some few key points, then circle back to a few takeaways that our listeners can enjoy and let people know about upcoming shows. First, as I'm sure you can tell, we are passionate about flexible retail packaging in whatever shape, style, size, or material you use. While we cut our teeth, so to speak, on helping small mom and pops and even startups design award-winning Santa pouches, flat barrier bags, and spotted pouches, our business has exploded as we've now started concentrating on working with mid-market and mid-larger size companies. These mar- mid-market companies are finding huge cost savings of what they normally were using. Again, finding huge savings by buying the same packaging, only smarter. Overseas factories in Asia have the unique ability to print with, with a quality that is unmatched in the U.S. And in those rare occasions that companies can match the quality, it's never even close to the same price point. Not just any overseas supplier can do this, but you've got to get the right supplier. 
further. We completely believe that there are six main points to successfully purchasing flexible retail packaging. I'm going to go through them. One is quality. Well, this sounds silly. So many people think about packaging at the last minute, and they use whatever they can get their hands on and wonder why the product failed or if they get a lousy response. Choose a company that they don't just talk about quality, they can prove it. ISO 9000 and ISO 14000 certifications that are documented and traceable. Choose a company that isn't afraid to hire independent labs to verify materials that they choose, equipment that they're using, certain film that's food safe, etc. Now, the second is factories or the factories that you choose. Does your supplier have domestic and overseas suppliers? Some companies don't take the time to purchase pouches from overseas. I'm sorry, don't have the time to purchase pouches from overseas. And they're often, they necessarily aren't worried about the higher price. Having factories in the U.S. is a huge advantage. Do they have hot rush options? Can they get your jobs run faster if necessary? Do they have to pull the factory? Do they have the pool with the factory to get what you need when you need it? That's a key thing. Third is printing capability. Can they print up to 12 colors if needed? both rotogravure and flexographic printing processes? Do they have their own graphic designers? And can they use your, your own graphic designer? Does your supplier help you with 3D modeling, prototypes and samples, digitally printed mock-ups, Epson proofs, or more when it comes to client meetings and product pitches when you have a major customer or retailer? They should, by the way. Five is shipping. Does your supplier ship using their own trucks and containers from overseas and domestically? Shipping with overseas suppliers is not easy. Ask anyone who's done it and you'll hear horror stories of customs issues and delays in ports and warehouses. Use a supplier who knows and understands how to get your flexible packaging to you when you need it and where you need it. And finally, supply chain. Supply chain is the cherry on top of that hot fudge sundae. If you have a great supplier who makes incredible packaging, imagine what your life would be like if you had no more lead times. In fact, your supplier helped you manage your inventory. They release product to you off your forecast or off your schedule. That's supply chain, and that's when it works. So again, in order, quality, factory capability, printing styles, virtual designs, prototypes, digital samples, shipping, and supply chain. These six steps are keys to incredible flexible packaging that not only protects your product, but helps build your brand. So here, I want to answer a couple of questions that our customers and potential customers ask on a regular basis. Keep in mind, as the different shows unfold over the coming weeks, the questions will be centered around our guests on the show, but here are some of the ones we are asked on a regular basis. How long does it take to make custom printed stand-up pouches or any other type of flexible retail packaging? Domestically, our factory can produce normally in four to five weeks. Figure to get it there to your door in about six weeks. Overseas, the lead time is four to six weeks after your artwork is approved and another three to four weeks to get it shipped to your door. That's about 10 weeks total. Second question, what if I need my printed flexible packaging sooner than eight to 10 weeks? We can run at our overseas factory and ship by air, which is like a FedEx or a DHL, delivered door to door. In fact, for many of our clients, they only need 500 or 1,000 of a custom printed pouch immediately. And it's a new product. So we ship them to them very inexpensively by air. The rest can be there in a few weeks. Now for existing packaging, as I mentioned earlier, we can run and deliver to our Ohio warehouse and release as needed, minimizing or even eliminating even eliminating the lead time. How much cheaper is flexible packaging made overseas versus domestically? 
Historically, we found that it's about 30 to 35% cost savings, sometimes more. We've heard of some companies saving over 50%. Keep in mind, anything that's done in the U.S. can be done overseas and often cheaper. Finally, the question for the day. Are you upset with using overseas suppliers instead of domestic suppliers? The answer is no. It's a global economy, and we certainly aren't the first to discover this. Apple Computer, Dell Computer, General Motors, all of these companies import from overseas factories. Not because they don't love the U.S., we all do. This is the way the economy works now. We, aren't being, we are being pushed and squeezed at every turn for cost reductions. The fact that we can find higher quality at lower cost from overseas factories is a way of life now. Something to keep in mind. So a quick takeaway for our listeners, since we've been talking about this all day, there's a few, free, a few things I want everyone to know. There are three keys to being, being successful at the retail level. Number one, be innovative. Be different. Try new flavors and versions whenever you, whatever, of whatever you make and sell. When doing so, change your packaging, change your colors and the designs, freshen things up. You'll be surprised at the response you get with increased orders and profits. Be quality focused. Don't be the cheapest guy in town. Make something that really stands out and says we care about our clients to give them the very best of whatever it is. And the third, be customer focused. While we all want to make money and profits, make the customer your number one concern. And it'll show you the quality, it'll show your quality in your packaging and finally in your profits. Finally, a second little takeaway. Something a friend of mine told us a while back, and this is a huge takeaway for everyone. After years of pitching products to major retailers, we're talking Walmart, Trader Joe's, Target, Costco. After 25 years of doing so with products from snacks and chocolate to quinoa, do you know that never, not once, have they ever opened and tried the product he was pitching? The point is, people buy with their eyes. If packaging shows quality, if the packaging says, pick me up and take me home, you've got a winner. So in a recap, we've got be innovative, be quality focused, and be customer focused. And again, in the long run, you'll be glad you did. So folks, I just wanted to kind of wrap up today's show. It's about time to kind of finish things up for the day. Uh, from high atop the global studios here of Ditch the Box in Cleveland, Ohio. Please join us next week when we discuss and we have a marketing roundtable. That's with Owen Blevins, the president of Focus Inbound. We'll discuss blogging, videos, social media. Owen knows a ton about LinkedIn. He is a great guy to hear. And we also have Professor Yong Wang from Ohio University. Yong has an extensive background with consulting from McKinsey and Company to academia. And I think you're going to find that roundtable is going to be very, very exciting for everyone. I want to thank my producer, Jamie Berling. And I'd like to thank our executive producer, the incomparable Winston Winnie Price. Winnie, you've been great. Thank you for everything. Folks, that's it for today's show. I'd like to wrap it up and say tune in next week again for our marketing roundtable. You've been listening to Ditch the Box. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening to Ditch the Box. We're live every Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Please join David Marinak for another great show next week.